On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, as the end of the year is in sight, we take some time to reflect on 2022 and talk about some best practices for small breweries to evaluate finances, workflow, and the future. This is John Hall, and welcome to episode 36. End of the year wrap-ups are happening fast and furious these days, and this show is no exception. As ever, there's a lot to be thinking about for your small brewery amid new uncertainties in the marketplace with increased competition and global events disrupting local business. To unpack it all, I'm glad to be joined by two industry professionals, Audra Gazanis and CJ Haynes, who will unpack what they've learned over the last 12 months and share a perspective, all while looking forward. But first, a word of thanks to the show's sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. Whether you're looking for a brewing system to create trial recipes, or you want to easily add production capacity to your nanobrewery, the Grainfather G70 electric brewing system is your solution. The G70 has a 70 liter capacity, allowing you to easily make half barrel batches of beer in a compact system that won't take up valuable floor space. Ask your BSG sales manager for more information about the G70 today, or go to grainfather.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years, offering brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country. They're in this business because they are brewers, so they know the ins and outs of the process and can design the perfect setup for you, whether you're just starting out or looking to expand. ABS keeps tanks in stock and ready to ship so you can get equipment in your hands sooner. Shop now at abs-commercial.com. And we're brought to you by Fermentus. Hey, Nano Brewers, do you want to add distinctive finishing touches to your beers? Discover Safe Brew BR-8, the first dry brett by Fermentus. Designed for secondary fermentation, Safe Brew BR-8 provides funkier notes of barnyard, horse, leather, nicely balanced by refreshing fruity notes. Available in 100 gram and soon in 5 gram sachets. Discover more about Safe Brew BR-8 and all the other Fermentus products on their website, fermentus.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nanoplus for more details. This month, as we wrap our heads around 2022, I'm excited to have this panel assembled. Audra Gazanis is the owner of Brewed for Her Ledger, an Asheville, North Carolina-based consultancy focused on providing financial guidance and leadership to the craft beverage community. She is currently the CFO of Cricket Stave and has served as CEO of Brownie Brewing Company from 2016 to 2020 and is an owner of the Asheville-based beverage company Dissolver. She has also worked with more than 300 brewery clients over the past decade. She was previously the CFO for Mother Earth Brewing and controller of Dogfish Head. Audra sits on the Brewers Association's Finance Committee. She is a frequent speaker at conferences, a writer for the New Brewer and BYO, and an instructor for the University of Vermont. She holds an MBA from UNC Chapel Hill and a BA in accounting for business management from Loris College. 
And CJ Haynes is the executive director of the New Hampshire Brewers Association, where she works with member breweries on government affairs, outreach, events, marketing, growth, and sustainability. They both joined me via Zoom. I don't know anybody else who travels more than you, Audra. Uh, based on your social media feeds, you are everywhere all the time. And as 2022 comes to a close and travel was reopened and uh, you were having pints and conversations all around the country, was there is there a theme now that you can sort of see about this year as we're uh, two weeks away from its ending that... 2022 might be remembered for? <laughs> 2022, the year of price increases and cash flow troubles. Um, <laughs> I mean, for better or worse of what it is, we as an industry uh, from the raw materials perspective got hit with multiple price increases. So cost from our pers perspective um, throughout the year, we didn't adapt price quickly enough, in my opinion. Um, in a lot of cases, we're seeing a lot of price increases now being passed on to the consumer, finally in, in Q4 of 2022. Um, but the same token, um, cash flow. So we became reliant on those idle funds, PPP funds. They served as our safety net in 2020 and 2021. And operating expenses just kind of stayed at the same level in 2022. And so um, some ERC funds came through, some didn't. And we're still operating at that like 2021 level with those funds, um, that prop that no longer exists. So uh, we're seeing like a lot of catch up of cash burn. Um, and from the negative side of things and breweries starting to close because they are not managing their cash flow appropriately. I want to talk about cash flow a little bit more and go deeper into that in a minute. But CJ, sort mm -hmm. of similar question to you as you've been talking to uh, your members and and traveling around to uh, other states and talking with other guild directors uh, over the course of this year is is what are you seeing as what 2022 might be remembered for? I, I see it fairly similar to that is that there's just been this big shift in developing a new model. So how do I change my current model? And they're looking towards next year, but I think there's also been this method of, okay, I'm in complete survival mode and I've been that for two years. How do I get out of that survival mode and sustain my business with stability? But what does stability look like in today's market? And I think there's a lot of questions regarding where's distribution? What's happening in the tasting room? Do I expand? Do I contract? Um, and so I think it's a questioning period this year in particular that a lot of breweries faced as like, here's the hard reality of where I'm at and where do I come out from it into next year? Have you started to see answers to that? Because I know that there are a lot of questions, but has anybody started answering those that you've seen from a from a practical standpoint? I think a lot of people are doing exactly what Audra was talking about is that they're taking that next level of deep diving into their finances and looking at what's sustainable, but also asking that question of what's the cost benefit of doing this versus what's the cost of not doing it. Um, and so you can start to see some of the retractions that are happening on how far their distribution model is going. I see some people stepping that back in stages of, okay, I'm going to shift that directly to be in my tasting room and I'm going to either then expand my offering for the experience inside that tasting room and really hone in on the customer experience part of it rather than 
far and wide experiences. Andre, and I'm that, similar. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I'm similar with that. From the, I'm seeing more also from the product portfolio perspective. So, the contracting the distribution footprint, focusing more on like the the most successful markets to date, but then hey, we've never done a seltzer before. And that is selling really well at a lower cost. A focus on batch costs and finding out and really digging into which batches and styles are costing less for us to produce, but we still can maintain the quality standards so that we can raise these margins and add additional money into our bottom line. So in short, keeping the experience within the tap room so that arm of distribution is being shortened um, so that we have that cash pull through coming through much more quickly with an expanded product portfolio. Perhaps it's just a tap room exclusive. Perhaps it's a release that is paired with a unique event that hasn't been offered before, but um, it's, it's growing in breadth with a focus on, lower cost to produce beers. So there's less of a pull towards those hype beers, though those super fruited sours, <laughs> triple hopped, um, just hop forward styles, because those are so expensive to produce to simpler yet still creative offerings that deliver the quality paired with a high value type of experience through the top room. CJ, I, I know you're you know, the director of a, you know, a, a brewer's guild, um, uh, emphasis on the word brewers, but uh, increasingly we are seeing folks diversify their portfolios where they are doing uh, seltzers or they're thinking about other drinks or uh, coffee roasting or, you know, whatever. Um, how, how are you having conversations? And 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 if so, how, how important is it for folks who have long traditionally thought of themselves as brewers um, to start to transition into thinking themselves as, as beverage makers in a, in a, in a broader category. It's definitely, we have, we've started somewhat of a coalition in our state for like sustainability of craft beverage producers, which is looking at environmental costs and different initiatives. And we look at it from a craft beverage producer as a whole. So we talk to the wineries, we talk to the distillers um, and some of the breweries, we've also started to modify some of our license structure in the state so that that ability to do those things in our state is worthwhile endeavor for them. So not necessarily having to change their entire business model. It's just adding to that business model. And what we're seeing is there's questions about seltzer. There's questions about cider is coming back up into the play. Um, hmm. I've heard a few things about that. And then there's also some are looking at distilling as well as another option. Um, the only concern I have with that is how far do you kind of dilute yourself and your offerings to the point where you're too wide, you're too broad, and you're not succinct enough in creating that experience so that you're trying to cater to everyone and you're not focusing in on the one specific thing that you intended to do when you opened your brewery, which was to brew beer. Yes, you can serve a massive wide breadth of audience, but is that what you truly want to do would be the question I would then return back to the brewer. Andre, what do you think on that? Well, I work with a lot of startups, as you know, and yeah. we're still seeing startups coming up and through the market. I'm still teaching them through the University of Vermont and through um, the other classes that I teach. 
And there are a greater number of startups that are coming in as beverage producers. So beer is a focus, but now they also do want to do natural wines. That's been a new category in the last few years that has taken off in popularity, at least in the Southeast and through some of the um, brewery partners with whom I work. But cider, yes, um, that has also been important. I think seltzer still is growing with these startups. So there's a greater number of them that are starting with a more broad portfolio mix in mind, but the primary focus is still beer, but they're trying to be as flexible as possible. I do have one that is also going to be a coffee roaster and they partner with a coffee roaster next door to create these offerings. So they'll have their taproom space open during the mornings so that people can come in, the public can come in, work, get a, get a cup of coffee and so on, and then stay into the afternoon as the bar transitions more into beverage options with alcohol in them. Yeah, I, I've seen examples of that um, throughout the country and uh, over over the years, and, and and I'm always sort of impressed, you know, with that of having additional opening hours with our appropriate beverages. Although I imagine most people who are listening to this say, you know, well, what's wrong with the double IPA to start your day? But um, <laughs> some, yeah. some of us need espresso. Um, but I wanted to go back to, 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 to cash flow um, mm -hmm. and to be thinking about, you know, as we get to the end of the year, these are you know, people are setting budgets for the new year. They're thinking about, right. you know, how do I get to the end of 2023 um, and questions that you ask now and answer now um, can, can help get there. And these are not always easy conversations to have uh, because there's a lot of harsh realities that can come with them. So um, Audrey, what, what is the, as people are thinking about, okay, managing cash flow into the new mm -hmm. year, being responsible, um, what's, you know, the the first hard question that they should be asking themselves in your mind? What is your, in my mind, I would say it's what is your current cash burn rate and can you survive at that level during your slowest month of the year? So creating cash flow projections over the upcoming 12 months with a seasonality cycle in mind. So that I use the indirect method according to generally accepted accounting principles. So it shows the delta of the spend between months. It's not the raw inflow and the raw outflow. It's more of like, I'm going to have to spend more now on raw materials because I anticipate brewing additional and selling additional beer next month through the tap room. Can I afford to do that now based on where my cash level is? So creating projections would be a big start to that. Also knowing what your slow months are and figuring out what events you can put on what perhaps is a taproom exclusive release to give you that cash bump for the day. So something that is rare, something uh, where you're creating some sort of unique event around a particular beer release to give you that cash bump immediately. You know, if you're putting beer into wholesale market, if you do self-distribute, a lot of times there's a waiting period for, to, for you to pull that cash in the door. But through the taproom, it's almost immediate. There might be a little holding period through the credit card companies, but it's pretty fast turnaround. So really appealing to and creating events during those slowest months to give you those cash bumps 
I find is helpful. Also, this is the time, the slow time of the year is the greatest time, in my opinion, to start your loyalty program. So if you have a loyalty program in place, if you have a particular like membership club society, something like the Catador Club, um, Duchene, of you, you'll see Catador, some of that. That's, um, that's Cigar City. Cigar City, yeah. yeah. Where you do collect a certain amount of cash up front for the entire year. You just have to be mindful of the cost once you're producing the beer through the year. Hopefully you already have a schedule specifically set aside for that. But that, that creates a cash bump for us as well. So we know we can't realize the benefit of that as revenue, but it does help us from the cash flow perspective. So discerning between profit and loss and positive negative cash flow is important. So, you know, a loss not, does not necessarily mean your cash flow negative. Likewise, just because you show a profit doesn't necessarily mean that you're cash flow positive. And at the end of the day, I would rather see a loss on your profit and loss statement and cash flow positivity than the other way around because the lack of cash will shut you down. I don't care how much of a profit you show. <laughs> I, I feel like you've said this before. Oh gosh, yes. It still rings true. <laughs> it is it still rings true and people still get confused around that concept. And so that's one of my missions and the reason that I do travel as, as much as I do is that I provide a lot of that one-on-one coaching time. I'm teaching a lot through the different state guild events. This is a concept I want to make sure reaches as many people as possible. Not everyone's listening to this BYO podcast. Not everyone has a chance to go to the National Craft Brewers Conference. So I'm trying to spread that message as much as possible to as many brewers as possible and teach it in such a way that it's not intimidating to them, that they understand, you know, you can show a loss and still be cash flow positive. I'd rather that than the other way around. Again, yeah. that will shut you down faster than anything. Um, CJ, is is that, has this been a topic of conversation among your brewer members? It definitely has. It, it was funny. One of there's two instances in the last like probably month that I've had that spoke directly to what you just said, Audra, is one of them was re- regarding the loyalty programs and whatnot. And one of our breweries established theirs. And what they found is that the person that is in that loyal club, the loyalty club, the mug club, whatever you want to call it, is that that average consumer's ticket at the end of the year, they've spent almost three times what the single one person that was a tourist that came into would spend in their brewery. So they're finding that that is adding value and also upping their tickets every day with that person. Um, The other is that another small brewery in my state that went out and kind of expand their distribution is now starting to retract that again. And she had said to me, it's interesting because this is the first time in my entire seven, eight years of being in business that I've had to work for every single dollar that's walking in to my tap room is she's like, I'm doing more events. I'm doing all of these things to get people into my tap room, but it's never been this hard to get them to come into the tasting room without some sort of draw for them to come to. It's not just right. the beer that's doing it anymore. It's There's got to be an experience. There's got to be something that's happening. And, and you mentioned, I, and I, and I like that because I, I'm always, the, I, I think what's the best way to phrase this. The last three years for me have shown even more how precious time is and trying to 
make up for lost time of being uh, a, a, away from the world um, and making the most of the experiences that come my way. And, you know, whether that's, you know, foregoing that last pint of the night and having a, a, a nicer dinner or, um, you know, going out of my way to, to, to make it to a place where I know um, they've put a little bit more uh, effort in as opposed to just the place that's down the street that might have okay beer um, going, you know, that little bit further away. Um, I think the experiences matter more and more, but planning those out um, and getting them on people's radar so that they have something to look forward to has become mm -hmm. so important for me where, you know, there, there's already things that are on my radar for August and September of 2023 um, that I wouldn't have been thinking about in previous years. It would have just been like, oh, sure, if I'm around, I'll do it. But now because they're, I know they're putting the planning into it because I know it's going to be a fun thing. I'm now looking forward to it. And that's because the, the the breweries have put the work in to already promoting it, already thinking about it. Um, and and so it just strikes me, CJ, is what, you, what you're saying. It's just um, getting people, I guess, thinking about it far in advance can start to pay dividends mm -hmm. pretty early. Yes. Yeah. And I think that the event doesn't have to be massive in scale. There's the other factor of that is that it also has to be a place that you've created the atmosphere of gathering. So think of our traditional like communal spots, be that communal spot, cater to your lo locals, engage with them. And I think there's this other thing where customer service is definitely playing a factor into some of the experiences where you either have it or you don't. And I think from the consumers, it's very noticeable. And if they walk into a place and they don't get that experience, they're not going to come back. And it doesn't matter if they're there for an event or they're there for just a pint for the day. I think they want to have that space where they can leave their houses, leave their offices and actually come back and interact with people again. And we need to foster that type of environment once again in the most traditional sense of what beer was meant to do is to be the community that surrounds each other and act like that again. It's so interesting to hear you say um, that it doesn't have to be a big event because it, going into COVID and then even for the last uh, two or so years, uh, the rise of the brewery invitationals has uh, really popped up. And um, when you talk to a lot of the brewers that uh, invite their friends over and they, they, they have the, great festival with, with, with amazing tap lists and everything. When you talk to folks afterwards, it's like, well, we, we almost broke even this time. Um, mm -hmm. they're not necessarily the big money makers that everybody might think they're, um, they're a marketing expense and they're, they're, they're fun for, for breweries of a, of a certain size. Um, but, but I wonder in this, you know, buckling down and, um, choosing to, to fight rather than, than, than flee, um, if smaller events that, indeed do just break even or um, can actually bring a couple of bucks in might be the smarter play than big blowouts. Yeah, I, I talked to our board of directors. We talk about this constantly just from even the guild standpoint of what can we do on smaller scales to either educate the consumer, engage with the consumer and just have more experiences in general. It doesn't have to be a massive festival. That's not the draw anymore. I think we've kind of got past that in a lot of ways. And we've looked at, you know, how can we do more collaborations together? What are these things that are small, mighty, and meaningful is, is mm -hmm. what I come down to. Audrey, did yeah, I just I could, hear you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to piggyback on that even further. So 
the appeal to nostalgia is a very, very powerful tool. We are under, as humans, we're under a lot of stress. It's been super anxious for us the last few years. It still is for certain people with these uncertainties that are wrapped around inflation and interest rates going up. There's just so much anxiety that we have within our society that kind of hearkening back to the simpler time, to my childhood, to my teenage years, to my early 20s when responsibilities were less and fewer, that has been working very, very powerful way. So you're seeing events like emo prom, you're seeing like 90s throwback events and other events that uh, could be Saturday morning cartoons that are themed in together. That is really working in such a powerful way. And I think it's because we're coming to these events to relieve ourselves of the stress, <laughs> our everyday um, stressors that we are experiencing both professionally and personally. And having that Pairing that with a communal space that like CJ is resp uh, responding to and talking about, pair that with an appeal to nostalgia and you can create these most beautiful, powerful events that uh, can just help elevate your community. We had a Halloween gathering here that had tied in Stranger Things, Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, three shows that are super popular amongst nerds, the and crowd that event was so profitable and so uplifting for the entire community like the brewery just kept hearing such positive feedback as a result for weeks afterwards so then they had like a country club line dancing night too <laughs> that, that has been fun so it's a little campy and fun but I, in short that appeal to nostalgia has been a very very powerful tool I think and it's I know that if I'm if I'm finding something that's going to be, you know, I'm in my 40s now, so anything that's going to appeal to my 80s kid, 90s teenager self, I'm more likely to, to attend because I, I want to have kind of a throwback to those simpler times. I was so, just going to ask you, yeah. which character did you go as in that? I mean, those three things you're, you're all very vested in. So I was like, hmm, I wonder which one you chose to partake in. <laughs> I did uh, Game of Thrones, but I didn't have a particular character. I created my own character. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Very Viking-esque. <laughs> so it's interesting because also being in my 40s and thinking about, you know, some 90s and 80s throwbacks, um, th there's an appeal to that for our demographic. And I wonder what you've seen, though, because the younger generation, you know, Gen Z now uh, has a member in Congress and uh, or a, a member elect in Congress. And there is, you know, increasingly younger people, um, which is just, <laughs> it's hard to say. We, um, our House of Representatives just elected an 18 year old. That That's cool. That's wow. yeah. 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 A female 18 year old was just elected in our House of Representatives. So still can't buy a beer. Um, right. <laughs> but and soon enough, she'll be able to, which is great. And so you have the throwback for the older drinkers, of which we are now. Um, and how do you? How have you seen folks bridge the gap to you know, younger drinkers? Because they are fickle. You know, you hear about how uh, Gen Z is sober curious, or 
um, you know, isn't drinking the same way that that earlier generations did or isn't interested in the same things um, that earlier generations. Is there. Have you seen good examples of how people have out, uh, done outreach, not just to the throwbacks, but to, you know, today's new drinkers? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing more fitness type of activities or more active um, events being put on by different breweries that have brought those people in. So it could be like soccer bocce or soccer pool, or there's, uh, there's some level right. of activity I, I didn't, there. I didn't realize soccer could be paired with so many different things, but okay. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're kicking it instead of throwing it or using a cue stick or anything like again, it's not just, the demographic. Kind of so yeah, that's yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that I really immediately had my old NA man crowd. come out and just be like, well, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, really go ahead. Cool and creative use of taproom space. Yeah, it's just it's a creative way to use that taproom space as well. And when you're hearing positive voices, you know, lifting up and, and exciting and cheering for each other, it draws other people then into the taproom. And then they're curious to see what's going on. But a lot of the more active type of activities really appeal to that non-alcoholic, non-drinker, sober, curious crowd because it's it keeps that communal experience within the taproom but doesn't pressure them to drink because they are engaging in an activity. So that's, that's what I'm seeing. CJ, what about you? I would agree with that. Uh, I think the other thing is in our state in particular, just given the proximity to all the natural wonders that we have to offer is there's definitely a lot of outdoor recreation that is creeping into um, our breweries. There's cross promotions with uh, local hiking trails and organizations, clubs that are coming in and doing events together. Collaboration beers are happening. Um, So there's definitely a lot of that going on. And I think that's the younger generation kind of putting the pressure on to, you know, worry about environmental causes and all that stuff. But I, I do see that outdoor rec is mirroring a lot of what we're doing. And it's also coming to us as brewers to be part of their events. Um, for example, our state just had um, a huge event. It was a concert and everything. And it was to create jobs in the outdoor industry. And they also asked for breweries to be there as part of the event as to kind of round out the the collection that they had going. It was an awesome event. Um, and it drew people both interested in outdoor rec also were interested in brewing jobs. So it was an interesting thing to see. And I've seen that in Western North Carolina too, for sure. That's, um, you brought up a great point, like the, the social causes. So we have river cleanup and we also have a very outdoor active community, um, that is focused around hiking and kayaking and, and river cleanup that often has a sponsorship by a brewery or they are putting on the event and organizing it and also having a donation box and you'll have a representative from the nonprofit on site there too. You are seeing a lot more social causes and the rallying around around them that has bring in the, brought in the uh, younger generation. And And that brings up the interesting point though of not just thinking about the four walls of a brewery, um, cause I'm seeing that as well as I've been traveling around people getting involved in causes that you know, owners care about that employees care about that is 
you know, what the community is, is talking about. So it's not just, hey, come to us for beer, but we are now going to you because we live here as well. Um, and you know, we care about this as well in, in, in a meaningful way, not just trying to, you know, like score easy points for a quick sale, but actually right. meaning it, which I think goes back to so much of what the craft industry was built upon, or at least the ideals that it was built upon was that it was about community and not just, you know, about making a quick beer buck. Um, and, and again, I, I think these last three years have, have just changed things so much, but um, there are dividends that come from actually getting outside of your walls and being involved in, in things that are not necessarily, you know, beer or brewing related. Yeah, I think there's a an overall sense that people have to look at the character of their brewery again. And it's not just correlating that to what's my mission, what what's that? It's what do I do we stand for? What's do we embody as like a staff, as a group of people, and how do we influence that outside and to bring people in? And I don't think it just needs to be about bringing them in to spend money. I think it needs to be here's a space that we can all gather and spend time together and have a meaningful conversation have those waves that go back out and do a river cleanup all of those things that make the community as a whole better i want to take a quick break here just to hear from this episode's sponsors that we hope everybody will give a closer look to and then we'll come right back with cj and andra whether you're looking for a brewing system to create trial recipes or you want to easily add production capacity to your nanobrewery, the Grainfather G70 electric brewing system is your solution. The G70 has a 70-liter capacity, allowing you to easily make half-barrel batches of beer in a compact system that won't take up valuable floor space. Ask your BSG sales manager for more information about the G70 today or go to grainfather.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years, offering brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country. They're in this business because they are brewers, so they know the ins and outs of the process and can design the perfect setup for you, whether you're just starting out or looking to expand. ABS keeps tanks in stock and ready to ship so you can get equipment in your hands sooner. Shop now at abs-commercial.com. And we're brought to you by Fermentus. Hey, Nano Brewers, do you want to add distinctive finishing touches to your beers? Discover SafeBrew BR-8, the first dry brett by Fermentus. Designed for secondary fermentation, SafeBrew BR-8 provides funkier notes of barnyard, horse, leather, nicely balanced by refreshing fruity notes. Available in 100 gram and soon in 5 gram sachets. Discover more about SafeBrew, BR-8, and all the other Fermentus products on their website, Fermentus.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nanoplus for more details. Okay, and we are back with Audra and CJ. Um, thank you again for being here. Um, right before the break, CJ, um, 
you were sort of talking about um, a brewer's identity and a brewery identity. And it, and it got me thinking that, you know, the first of the year is great for resolutions and uh, uh, the aspiration of, okay, we're going to try to be uh, better as people um, for the next calendar year. Um, and whether or not people stick to those resolutions, that's a, that's a whole other thing, but it's a nice thought and it's a nice exercise to practice. And the idea of, of reevaluating a company's mission statement, uh, reevaluating you know, what people stand for, what they want to, um, you know, accomplish both in business and, and success wise, but also, um, for the, I don't know, you know, the feel goodness of running a small business. Um, would, would you think that this is a good time of year to be sitting down and putting pen to paper and sketching stuff out? Yeah, I think it's a natural kind of cathartic thing to go through in a process. And also it's the perfect time to, of course, look at your copious amounts of spreadsheets and all of that to factor that in. But I think in general, it's it's kind of this season's past and the winter's going to fade and then we're going to come out of this in a different light. And I think if you approach it with that kind of stamina, it'll make an impact on your year next year. Audrey, what else do you encourage people to do at this time of year? I mean, we've talked about looking at spreadsheets. We've talked about, you know, cash flow and um, four years ahead. Are, are, are there other house cleaning, get your house in order type things that this is a good time of year that you encourage folks to be thinking about? Yeah, then one is going to be a little bit more <laughs> accounting like and one is going to be more uh, leadership like uh, from the accounting, more pragmatic perspective reviewing your chart of accounts to make sure that it still reflects and embodies your business model and recognizing that we are evolving over time rather quickly. We want to make sure our chart of accounts matches that evolution. So once a year, I usually around this time of year, I sit down with all my brewery partners and we review that chart of accounts to make sure that these categories, the, the way that we are tracking our data is still relevant um, so that we're not having to create these workaround solutions, making sure that the backend software, our point of sale is tying in correctly with the appropriate journal entry into our QuickBooks or whatever our financial management software may be, that our cost rollups are being stated appropriately. So it's a lot of just like kind of backend cleanup work to make sure that we're starting the new year with refreshed eyes and minimizing those workarounds. The less more more leadership oriented and less accounting oriented side that I'm encouraging my brewery partners is that social investment piece. We put together marketing budgets every single year. This year is not going to be an exception. 2023 is not going to be an exception. But similar to how we approach a marketing budget, having like a social investment budget as well. How much money do we want to put into our people? How much money do we want to put into these causes that we care about? How, like who is going to be doing what at what point in time, but really setting that money and time aside to plan out thoughtful, mindful events that provide a meaningful impact. Those should be approached the same way we would a marketing budget or another initiative that we're going to implement. It, it, it carries so much more meaning and we may not be able to project the revenues as much as or specifically as we'd like, but putting that into the budget from the cost perspective, given our cash flow constraints and how costs 
rates continue to rise for us, I still think is paramount. So, and then the final piece is really looking at how we are sharing that financial information within people that work, that are part of our team, our coworkers, our beer family. Do we want to implement something like an open book management technique or a weekly sort of stand-up meeting? How are we going to communicate this with the rest of our staff so that they feel that they have a voice, that their voice is being heard, that they are making an impact, and that we're all looking in the same direction. So trying not to silo this information, but sharing it so that people that work with us and alongside us can understand and feel the meaning that they offer within the brewery as a whole. I'd like to piggyback yeah, on that please. with one other, one other thing is that it, it often is one thing that gets pushed aside. And I, I would advocate that if you are an owner and you have a brewery that you take the time, especially this time of year to sit down and appreciate your staff, sit down, have a meeting, have a celebration party, something to thank them for the year that they've had, but also to get their feedback their what they're seeing, hearing, and feeling um, as they move into the new year and really take the time to spend that time with the employees. Uh, I think it would do a world of wonder from everything that I'm hearing with so many people being burnt out, I'm also hearing that employers kind of have this expectation that a lot of personal things are coming into work. And yes, those things need to be heard and, and felt and all of that. And there needs to be some empathy, but I think there's also utilize the employees as part of the process when you're looking at making your plan. And I think that's an underutilized tool right now. True. Very true. Yeah. Um, you know, burnout is one of those things that I wanted to talk to you about just because um, this is the type of the time of year where there is a, you know, a lot of extra stresses and there's, you know, and there, and there's worry. Um, but doing regular check-ins, not only um, with the folks who work in the brewery, but, you know, brewers and owners themselves actually taking a few minutes to recognize um, signs of burnout, signs of, um, you know, undue stress that could manifest into, um, you know, health problems or worse, uh, taking, you know, those necessary minutes, hours, days, um, I, I don't want that to get lost. Um, you know, mental health is, is, is critically important and, you know, in, in and around the beer space, uh, there's been a lot of conversations about it over the last couple of years and there needs to be even more. Um, but I, I just, I didn't want to let that go by that it's no, okay it's, not to be okay. And it's, it's super. Um, yeah. yeah. It's now a common question, um, with, within our guild group, uh, it, at, at some point in most, of our guild conversations uh, we gather probably once or twice a month usually it's on zoom or in person if we have the opportunity and at some point in the conversation there is a point where all of us will sincerely look at each other and say how are you doing how are you holding up anything i can do to help you and i think there needs to be a little bit more of that infused into next year as well yeah and to you know to realize that you know, asking those questions is not inappropriate, and you know that there are people who want to uh, genuinely want to want to help and 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 give a give a helping hand, I think is uh, um, important to remember right now. So, um, yeah, I just didn't want to let that um, slide by. To 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 that point, um, CJ, at the, at the beginning of the show, you were talking about. Um, you know, that you're seeing people have the the fight or flight conversation. And and I think up until this point, we have talked about um, 
you know the 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 fighting part of okay you know how do we continue on into the new year um flight doesn't mean cowardice or you know uh, being a quitter or anything it's just sometimes it's time to walk away sometimes it's time to say okay i gave this my best shot or i had a great run or whatever it is um and to begin to you know think about sunsetting or 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 moving on into in, in, into something else um those are obviously harder conversations um but andra as you've been traveling around and you've been talking to folks um mm-hmm. you know when it when it comes time um to close when it comes time to leave the industry um i imagine it's better to be thinking about it for uh thinking about it on your own terms and thinking about it in your own way as opposed to outside forces dictating a closure by that i mean yeah, like banks basically saying like no get out <laughs> well, i'm not trying to make like, light of the situation but yeah. no right and and i like to encourage my uh, brewery partners that are considering on doing that is to kind of have these milestone gates that they're passing along the way so that they know that they're moving in that direction or hey we are we're now we're experiencing a recovery never mind we're okay you know so I kind of like leave gates for each one of them. They're kind of financial metrics and social. So there's quantitative and non-quantitative types of metrics that we'll have in place that prepare you for that. And then what does your exit look like? Do you want to sell to somebody else? Do you want to become more of like a joint venture? Perhaps you are going to stop production altogether and want to go into the contract brewing side so that you don't have to deal with with all of that equipment anymore. Um, Or... You do want to just exit altogether and move on to something else. There's a process that I like to take my breweries through that are considering that so that it is a gentle landing and they are prepared and they are they are given many options from which paths they want to take. And ultimately it's their choice, but it it helps alleviate a lot of that stress when you're feeling some level and some semblance of control in what that destiny looks like. So offering them as many paths as possible as early on as possible in case that recovery doesn't come about or we don't see a way out. Um, it's the more, the greater the communication and the more options that are communicated, the better. And so I become kind of like a counselor <laughs> in that, again, in that respect, you know, who knew that my job would be like, psychology as well yeah it's not i just definitely feel that I, I yeah I, I heard you chuckle <laughs> yeah. cj i was gonna ask you if if you've yeah that some. was yeah. gonna be one of our fundraiser for next year is uh have the guild leader you know hundred dollars an hour for a therapy session yes as a side <laughs> hustle kind of so, uh, it's a nice way to take a good vacation yeah. <laughs> uh however I, I i do feel the same as i think there some of the breweries are looking at opportunities to create like a co-op setting or mm-hmm. contract brewing and looking at their flagships and saying, okay, if I can have somebody else contract brew this, then I can focus on X, Y, and Z and not have to deal with that one production element and it'll make my job easier. How do I get more succinct focused on that? But I think there's also this other thing that needs to happen is that some of the breweries might not necessarily have all their ducks in a row and in order when it comes to their personal financial liabilities in these situations. And that would be something else that I'd tell strongly encourage 
uh, any owners to take a serious look at is if you're even in the, the quandary of if a closure is impending, that you get your behind the scenes in order in your personal life to ensure that there's not everything on the line for you personally and professionally if it comes to that. Yeah, a lot of these yeah, SBA ahead, loans, Anka. owners have to, a lot of these SBA loans, owners have to make personal guarantees. And so, yeah, you want to make sure that you're not losing your house or your other personal assets um, and have a plan in place and how to manage that. Same with partnerships. I think there's a lot of partnerships that don't think all the way through as, unfortunately, if one partner leaves or gets divorced or, or, or there's circumstances that change within that partnership, what does that do? Right. Um, I've been having conversations with folks, uh, they say history sort of repeats itself. Um, I've been having conversations with folks as, uh, the word recession keeps being batted around, uh, by, uh, news organizations and government agencies and et cetera, et cetera. And thinking about, uh, the, the last recession in 2008 and, what happened afterwards is where I'm really focused in um, 2010, 2011, 2012, where we saw a spate of breweries open up um, uh, you know, after bad economic times. And um, I'm, I'm wondering if something like that might happen again um, a couple of years down the line where you know, home brewers decide to go pro, uh, folks who have been in the industry for a while decide to hang their own shingle, um, you know, what, what, whatever it is. Um, a lot of that groundwork is laid now during troubling times, unsettling times. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering from your various standpoints, what you think people should, the, the conversations those entrepreneurs should be having with themselves right now in advance of a couple of years from now and you know, potential openings. Does that make sense, CJ? Mm -hmm. Yep. I think one of the strongest conversations that you need to have is what's the purpose and intention behind the brewery that I want to open? What's the differentiator yep. for it? What's going to make it unique? What's going to, you know, in, how is it going to embody something that will fit in the market, but also stand out in a market? And I think a lot of people have for the last few years have kind of been you know, open up the Pinterest, check the boxes and been like, I got these stools, I got this, I got this, and now I can start a brewery. And I think now we're at that phase where anyone that wants to open one now has to have very succinct pers like purpose for what they're doing. Um, and that has to carry over from their experience in the tasting room to their staff, to their beer. It all, all has to be there. And it can't just be a flash of lightning and hope for the best situation anymore. Audrey, and I'd you, agree with that. Yeah. yeah, my initial instinct when you asked this question was, um, what is what what are the entrepreneurs supposed to be thinking about? It's like really knowing your why and what your purpose is, as you're trying to even consider what your next steps are going to be. So that very ties into what CJ was talking about: is knowing your purpose and knowing your why, and making sure that if you do proceed in opening this venture post-recession, that it is very mindfully and purposefully done. I, I might also add, too, that it's possible for existing breweries, small nano breweries, um, mm -hmm. to also reinvent themselves. You know, you, you might have gotten into yes. this thinking about, OK, you know, I want to be something and then got caught up in the in the haze craze and you know became a, 
um, a house of Kvik IPA. Um, but <laughs> you can go back to, and I'm not saying that in a, in a <laughs> really derisive way, but um, mm-hmm. close to it. Um, but I'm always more impressed when I walk into a place that is marching to the beat of their own drum. And Mm -hmm. if you are small, if you do understand your finances, if you're not looking to um, become a regional or even a statewide powerhouse, there's opportunities for reinventing yourself right now and to, to get back into, you know, what makes you happy. And I think that sort of also goes into mental health and uh, employee Mm -hmm. happiness and everything else is, you know, is is are you swinging beers that make you happy and people will come if they if you're doing that that's right. one thing that i i will say is that there has to be a better balance with the workforce of it's not just a job it has to be there still has to be that twinge of passion behind why you're doing it and i think part of us part of the industry has kind of pulled away from that and, and we've had people enter the industry that I don't necessarily think might've been the true diehard craft beer fans. Um, and they're working in t- tasting rooms and it's a job for them. It's a cool thing to do, but I, I think there needs to be more of those people that stand up and put their stake and say, this is what we stand for. And this is why we're doing it to really kind of lead that charge for others to follow that and stand out on their own. And it's okay. You don't have to be like everybody else in the, in the regards to the haze craze and all of that. Yeah. Audra, anything you wanted to add on that? Uh, No, just, yeah, being, (laughs) being yourself. I mean, that really is authenticity plays such a key role within our industry. We sniff out those that aren't, um, that are there for the wrong reasons or, or just don't have much of a reason to exist other than to make a dollar. People feel that they'll feel that from the employee side and they'll feel that from the consumer side. And I think a lot of that in this next, in the next two to five years, those breweries are going to slowly fade out because they are not in the forefront of our minds. They are not aligned necessarily with our own personal values. They don't exist for authentic reasons. It was just, oh, this seems like a good idea and pretty cool to do. I think we'll have like a, a weeding out, so to speak, of those breweries and those that will be left, including those that choose to evolve are going to be the ones that are there with purpose and meaning and intention and tie in with the values of the community at large. That's cool. Uh, Being mindful of time, uh, last question for each of you. What is an underrepresented style of beer that you would like to see get the spotlight in 2023? Audra. Ooh. An underrepresented style. I mean, I'm going back to my old favorite that largely went away when the haze craze happened. This is Cezanne. A well-made, I don't care if it's Belgian style or French style. I miss Cezannes. I think they're beautiful. They are intricate. They are delicate. And there's they bring so much to a kitchen table. And we don't see those anymore. I don't care that they don't sell. I think they should. <laughs> <laughs> CJ, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with a Schwartz beer or a Shrek <sighs> dark lager. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, that, that is poised for, for greatness in, uh, in, 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 in the new year. Um, I want to see experimentations with Hefeweizen. Uh, I've, I've seen some brewers mess around with the style a little bit, trying to do some hybrids and some other stuff. And I, I think it's a, it's a style that could be 
uh, a fun canvas. I'm not I'm not saying completely get away from tradition, but uh, mess around with it a little bit. Um, CJ, Andra, thank you for being on the show this month. Thanks for your insights. Thanks for wrapping up um, 2022. And I hope all of the good stuff we talked about for 23 comes true and um, that folks are able to take care of themselves and continue to do what they want. So um, thanks for thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks to you. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. What is your New Year's resolution for your nano brewery in 2023? Email us and let us know. It's nano at BYO.com. And I'll invite you to head over to BYO.com slash nanopodcast. There, you can subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine, and you can catch up with great pro brewing content. New episodes of this show are released on the 15th of every month. So subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And you can also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing us nano at BYO.com. And you can also check in with us on all of the BYO social media channels. As always, thanks to this episode's sponsors. Whether you're looking for a brewing system to create trial recipes or you want to easily add production capacity to your nanobrewery, the Grainfather G70 electric brewing system is your solution. The G70 has a 70-liter capacity, allowing you to easily make half-barrel batches of beer in a compact system that won't take up valuable floor space. Ask your BSG sales manager for more information about the G70 today or go to grainfather.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years, offering brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country. They're in this business because they are brewers, so they know the ins and outs of the process and can design the perfect setup for you, whether you're just starting out or looking to expand. ABS keeps tanks in stock and ready to ship so you can get equipment in your hands sooner. Shop now at abs-commercial.com. And we're brought to you by Fermentus. Hey, Nano Brewers, do you want to add distinctive finishing touches to your beers? Discover Safe Brew BR-8, the first dry brett by Fermentus. Designed for secondary fermentation, Safe Brew BR-8 provides funkier notes of barnyard, horse, leather, nicely balanced by refreshing fruity notes. Available in 100 gram and soon in 5 gram sachets. Discover more about Safe Brew BR-8 and all the other Fermentus products on their website, fermentus.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nanoplus for more details. I'm John Hall. You can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast from All About Beer. You can find that where podcasts are found, and I hope you'll tune in. Our theme music was created by Scott McCampbell, and we thank him for that. And once again, be sure to go check out byo.com slash nanopodcast for all of your nano brewing needs. For now, we wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day. <laughs>